Hello. How are you today? I'm so glad you're here. I talked a little bit in the last video about uh, communication and um, at the end of that video I talked a little bit about what was happening in um, the world today and uh, just acknowledgement of it and then maybe some a few solutions for uh, those who are having a hard time finding formula or having a hard time with some of the political topics that are out there right now. Uh, today I wanted to share with you and you all know if you're here and you've seen me before my name is Mary and um, one of the things uh, that I wanted to share today was about um, how to talk to your children and to other people also in um, reminding ourselves that to be more positive and complimentary to people. Um, sometimes we can get in a habit of uh, judging people and maybe we're not the type of person that would speak out about it but we're thinking about it when we see them um, maybe what they're wearing or uh, how they're sharing uh, with you you might be thinking things in your head about that <clears throat> sometimes when we meet people um, maybe we are uncomfortable we don't know what to say to people who are new to us and we're just meeting. Um, maybe we're just in the grocery store or walking down the street and we pass somebody, um, you know, and they acknowledge us. So um, one of the things I wanted to share was that if we think about how we would want someone to speak to us and how that makes us feel um, can change the way that we might address someone else or ignore or not ignore them. Um, when we see somebody in passing and we just say hello to them or smile at them, give them some kind of greeting, um, we want to teach our children that uh, to be able to communicate in a positive way and a pleasant way with people um, that maybe they don't know. And yet when they're very little, um, we also have to teach them about awareness of stranger danger, which is what we used to call it. I don't know what to call it these days because there's a lot of things are that are way more acceptable than they were when my kids were growing up. And so, um, but we do need to teach our kids what's safe and not safe for them. So they're not, we're not going to encourage them to go run up to everybody they see and get a hug. Um, probably for their relatives and uh, unless you know there's something weird going on with one of them. But, you know, they're going to be hugging you, the parents, and their siblings, and every family does a little different. Some are more touchy than others. Like I said, some people in my family are 
hand talkers, while some people of the families are huggers, and uh, some even kiss, um, and some do the little thing like this on the side. Um, but with your own children, you're the source of their affection. So um, it is important, even if you've grown up uh, in a different type of family where you're not comfortable with a lot of um, hugging and touching, and but for your own children, it is important that you hug them, hold them, and comfort them. Um, so that comes down to another topic of how we handle it um, when our children uh, hurt themselves. And do we say, you're okay, you're okay, you're okay. And just say, toughen up, you'll be fine, toughen up, you'll be fine. Or do we take the time to acknowledge the, that they've hurt themselves and let's look at it, see if there's something that we need to do, get a band-aid, wash it off. Um, I tended to always be that person. I, I had parents, well, my mother, who uh, she was always very empathetic in that way. Um, my dad, not so much. He was more like the tough, toughen up kind of guy because he was a boxer when he was younger. And I think he, and he grew up, um, pretty much raising, uh, his brother and sister because his dad was, uh, an alcoholic. So at 15 years old, he was already taking care of his immediate family. So his, uh, outlook on life was different than than every some people um and so he was all about you can be tough you can get through this especially for boys which don't know why that is but uh, a lot of men in sports and uh, fathers just naturally take on that um, character that boys have to be tough and they have to be you know, get over it, don't cry, all of that. Um, I don't think it's so much that way now in this uh, day and age. But um, if you are that person that grew up with that, but you really would have preferred to have a, a loving hug and have some, you know, attention um, to whatever the hurt was, and, and then to move on. And usually that's what I find uh, as a parent, a grandparent, that if you acknowledge what happened and you just check it out, make sure everything's good, um, and get the Band-Aid if you need to, or wash it up, or just give a little hug and, and uh you know, sometimes I give it a little kiss. That's just what I do because my mom used to do it. And um, that they get over it quicker and move forward. Now, when um, sometimes when you say, oh, you're fine, you're fine, or um, just get over it. It'll be fine. Just shake it up, get over it, move forward, move on. Um, if it's something that really hurts, um, they're not going to ever tell you about it if that is what they get all the time and um, that can be hard for them in 
the future because sometimes we start to for, to be unable to identify our pain whether it's physical or emotional um, we won't be able to identify that we're having pain because we've always pushed it away pushed it down gotten tough walked through it don't even acknowledge it and um so later on in life that could be an issue for them um so that's just my personal opinion and i also know from experience that um even those kids who don't get that when you react that way to them sometimes they will be like wow that's so nice like they like it they like that someone acknowledged their pain that someone wanted to do something to make it better put a band-aid on it give them a hug none of that's a big deal so um you know it really just depends on the family and how they were raised and what they got when they were little what they carry with them as their parents and we can all do it different if if you think that the way that you do it is is working and that's good um then you'll continue to do that if you want to try something different try my idea and see what happens i know that sometimes children that don't get that hug or the band-aid or oh i'm so sorry you hurt yourself let's look at it you know they don't they don't always like it when you try to give them some kind of love and attention um, after hurting themselves. Sometimes they're so used to doing that uh, to toughen up. They won't allow you to come and give them a hug. They won't allow anyone to acknowledge their pain and they're like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And uh, yeah, I have witnessed that too. So, there could be good things in survival for kids who are in a lot of abusive situations. Um, being able to, um, you know, be tough. Some people have to be tough because of their life, because of the way that life is in there. But um, if you're a kind, loving person, and you want to acknowledge that and give them a hug or put a band-aid on it wash it off say oh let's let's try not to do that again we just need to take these steps instead of that maybe they don't even realize how that happened just acknowledge it happened and that next time we don't have to do it in that way and maybe it won't have, you won't get hurt again um and it's, it is a conflict with, um, especially when you're a grandparent and uh, maybe you did things different with your kids and then as a grandparent you want to you wanna give the grandkids a hug or put a bandaid on it and your kids are like, you never did that, remember you just told me to toughen up, you know. So as your kids get older, you will hear their version of how things went when they were growing up too a lot so um sometimes we forget 
what we did in certain circumstances and you'll go, oh, man, I guess I could have done that better, right? Well, none of us are perfect. And so there's always going to be that, those few things that come up and you go, oh, yeah, that maybe I could have done a better job at that. Um, but overall, if you're loving, kind, and empathetic, and you follow the rules that you have set and been consistent, and you have a, a discipline that is not abusive or harmful to the child, um, they're going to grow up loving you and having a good relationship with you and then you communicate with them. So this is just another form of communication, but it happens when somebody gets hurt or is having an emotional problem of some kind. How do you address that? Um, and the other place where uh, this type of communication could happen is um, when you run into your friends and they're having emotional situations, how do we react to that? Some people are very comfortable with talking to somebody who's crying or having a hard time. Uh, other people are very uncomfortable and they just want to get away, um, whether they're on the phone or just meeting up with them. So um, sometimes if you're the person who is uncomfortable with it, uh, you might you might need to um, figure out why. How can you change that so that you're, you're a supportive friend instead of someone who's fleeing from the crying person who really needs to talk to you? So looking at all of those things in our lives, um, because it will affect your children in some ways, because your children are watching you all the time, even as they get older how you behave, how your friendships are, you know, what you say and do with your spouse, what you say and do with them when you're out in the community. It, 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 it's all goes together. Every part of life that they see will develop them into the person that they are as an adult. So, um, also the complimentary part, I, I brought it up, but then I went somewhere else. Um, I learned that um, a long time ago. I can't even tell you where, but you would learn these things, this particular thing. If you're teaching or you're doing some kind of group um, setting, or you're doing a workshop, you're doing a class, you're... Um, at a business meeting and you're just meeting people for the first time in a group and you're you're leading the group you're facilitating the group you're the manager at this business in the that you're having a group meeting um, that it's it really sets a good mood for all of the people attending when you could say, you could see something that you like about each person. Maybe you don't know them at all and they haven't even spoken to you. But you notice uh, that, that that blue shirt on Joe looks, makes his eyes pop out. He looks great in blue. Or 
Sarah has the most beautiful smile. She's just always smiling. And so you can compliment that. You can compliment Joe's blue shirt. I really like that shirt. It makes your eyes so blue. And, um, they're intense. And Sarah, I love your smile. You have the most beautiful smile. And just find something to compliment them about. You know, if it's, it could be just like, something about their shoes oh those are nice shoes where did you get those i would like those shoes um but the the more personal you make it the better in breaking the ice some people get uncomfortable with maybe whatever you're complimenting them if they're not used to it if they don't have good self-esteem um if they're they just want to be hidden and not noticed but it it really helps put everything into a positive state uh, in your in the beginning of these meetings, groups, workshops, whatever you're doing. Um, also, when you're walking past people that you don't know, and they they look at you and smile, and you say thank you or uh, thank you for smiling at me. I hope you have a nice day. Hi, how are you? You know, make some kind of acknowledgement of the people that pass you. Or even in, um, maybe you're in a party setting, in a group of people that are just kind of mingling around. And somebody walks up to where you are and you're like, oh, I, I really like your hair. It's so cute. Or I love the, the cut of your hair. Or, you know, um your dress is so nice it, it looks so nice on you any little compliment just makes somebody feel good and it sets a positive mood in that relationship whether you ever see them again or if you see them again they remember how nice you were to them and they want to get to know you so um those kinds of things are can become a, a habit like just like ignoring people or pretending they're not there that becomes a habit you know especially when we're not feeling good about ourselves during um covid we all were kind of locked in we didn't want to you know we could had to wear masks so we didn't want to really see anyone we didn't want to breathe breathing on us we didn't want to be in a close crowd i mean we were we were just uh experiencing a totally different situation than we ever have so getting ourselves out of that and going back out into the communities now and i i just love seeing people's faces and their expressions and their smiles and and acknowledging that is wonderful. And so that is just another one of my suggestions that I've learned in different um, settings where I was in charge of the group. Um, being the facilitator boss or manager of something that you're doing gives you a great opportunity to teach other people um, how to be pleasant to people how to have they used to call it customer service which I'm not sure if there's any anymore but um, growing up in a family business that was like a huge thing that my parents taught me 
uh, even if I wasn't totally happy with everything that happened in my childhood, I know that that is a positive thing that I learned working in a family business, that to greet people, to smile at them, you know, the customer was always right when I was growing up. So you had to just be nice no matter what and give them what they needed and what they wanted. And uh, when you do that, you learn how to overcome some of those judgments and feelings you have. And later on, you might still be not happy with that person, you know, and how they were. But it was it, it was what was taught to us to, to always, you know, be kind to the customer. And they, they were always right. And we we're always trying to, to please the customer because they're the ones who are paying you for your service. But in this, um, you know, there's so much online shopping and, and everything is so um, virtual now that... Uh, that seeing, having customer services is not as a big deal and as um, having good um, service as far as getting it there in two days or, or you know, replacing something and doing a good job at getting that done. And those kind of things mean more now than um, some of the, the pleasantries of customer service, like smiling and saying, how are you today, and things like that. And, um, but my mom always taught us that, and, and my dad. And so she, uh, when she would come to visit me here in Montana, uh, she would just be just so excited and happy about how nice everyone was. Now, I don't know if it's still true here, because uh, there's a lot of changes going on and not everybody likes it if they've lived here forever. <laughs> but uh, she loved the friendliness when, of the people and she would just say, the, Montana is the friendliest people I've ever met. And um, so that's, that's nice that that's true here. Um, and so how we behave with each other is something to consider. Um, knowing that small eyes are watching you. And it could be your nieces and nephews. It could be some of your foster children. It could be someone else's children. Um, but children are observant, and they're always watching what we do as adults. So then um, at, at that point, right, all of that is a healthy thing, you know, holding, hugging our children healthy for them, right? To know they're loved. Um, and then we cross over. When touch is not wanted, we need to listen to that. If our children are at a point where they're, they're just angry and they don't want touch, they don't want to be touched, they just want to be left alone, or they need time away from everyone just to chill. We need to listen to that because um, forcing touch on children is not healthy. If we go past the point of just redirecting them to where they need to go, 
with you know just moving them in that direction if they're not doing what you want if we go past that point that can become an unhealthy situation for a parent and child so if our children need that space and they're not wanting to be touched we need to listen to them um, if you're if you're at a point where your child um, is getting very angry or out of control and <clears throat> you decide it's okay to hold them hold them down um, I have witnessed a lot of that and um, where I learned some of this was in being a para in schools and um, taking some trainings about that and you'll hear other people talking about uh, uh, I forget the whole name of it but uh, cortisol 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 um, that gets released in your body um, when there's something negative happening or when you're stressed and in that situation being held down or held tightly can create that kind of uh, frustration and stress in that cortisol gets released into the body which is dangerous for all of us adults also and um, but these children um, if that happens often it can build up into a point where it can hurt them a lot some children have even you know um, died from having it having too much of it um, I don't know the whole chemical scientific part of that all I know is if it's preferable that you don't do that even in a setting where you have children who are um, acting out and violent um, whatever you can do instead is better but if you have that point uh, where they have to restrain that that has happened so like in them you know in the police uh, setting when they uh, when they have to arrest someone or, re or restrain them uh, that can be hard on people if if they're not you know if they're not cooperating and they have to do more than that if uh, the person is cooperative there there might not be any of that going on for them the quarter just the stress of getting in trouble I guess but um, so I would suggest that you don't uh, ever try to restrain your child and hold them down um, even as teenagers sometimes they will test you to the point where they're going to walk out the door um, or who knows you know do something that you've asked them not to do and and you want to immediately stop it um, it's better to not do that because in the end, um, it, it's not a good solution. So there are other things you can do in those situations, which I'm not going to get into all of it, but I'm just saying, and if you have siblings who tend to 
uh, fight or wrestle around, especially, you, you know, boys and girls. I had brothers that used to do that to me and hold me down. Um, and they would just do things like, you know, pretend they were going to spit on me or that kind of stuff. And, um, but believe me, I got them back later because that's who I was. <laughs> um, but I don't have pleasant memories of that. Uh, in fact, I just, um, you know, there's one brother in particular that we used to get into tiffs all the time. And, um, yeah, he would do stuff like that. And, and then it, it kind of trickles down. So if you allow that kind of behavior, it can escalate. Uh, from one child to the other and then it's like the oldest picks on the next one and the next one picks on the next one and yeah so you need to be a little aware of that like what are you going to allow with the siblings in their relationship I uh, was so against that from being raised with my brothers and sisters of there were 16 of us that um, and I decided that that was not going to happen in my house. So whenever my husband would look like he was going to start doing that kind of thing with the kids, because he grew up with two brothers and they wrestled and did all that stuff and uh, no, didn't think anything of it. Um, I just said, no, we're not going to do that with our kids. And we're not going to allow them to do that because um, I also, that same brother, uh, he also did that with his children, his daughters. And I would see that going on and I would think, poor girls, right? They were pretty tiny and yeah, some of them got hurt. And I, I did not agree with that. As a parent, I wanted to be the loving, kind, authoritative parent. I didn't want to be another child in their life. And that's how I saw it. But everybody does it different. But I, um, you have to decide. You have rules. You set the rules in your house. If that's something you don't want, and you don't want to escalate, you have to get on the same page with the father, the spouse, or if you're a single parent, you still have to know exactly where you are with this stuff. Because if you don't know, uh, and you don't have the rule, then you may allow things to happen that you really didn't want to happen. And so in order for your house to run the way you want and your family to grow together and agree on where everybody, what everybody should and shouldn't be doing, you have to think about these things. You have to talk about it if there's a spouse and a, a father or the mother and father or the grandparents or whoever it is. Um, so... It is something that's going to come up whether you think about it or not, and then you might have to make that decision, what it is you want uh, in your house. So what they used to call horseplay, 
and usually horseplay turns into monster play because somebody gets mad and somebody gets hurt. So, um, yeah, and a lot of people say that's normal. That's normal for siblings. Um, but if you come from a place where you have some um, negative feelings around that and you've been in a situation where you've been held down or abused in any way, you're not going to like that and you're not going to want that in your house. Um, and you're the parent. You get to decide how that's going to work. And for me, it, it, it worked out. I mean, there were times when my kids still would get mad at each other and, and you know, do things to each other. But overall, they knew I was not okay with that. And so, um, you know, there was less of it than there was for me growing up because I did not like that kind of behavior in the house. So, anyways, um, that was it. I got sidetracked again. Stories. Um, and then I wanted to talk about also like the. Um, you know, when your children start to get older, because now we're talking about things that are, are more toward the um, adolescent age group. Um, if if you set rules for those kids, those children too, they are going to be a little bit different as they get older. Um, the touching thing is like we don't hit no matter what when they're little and then it's we're not doing any wrestling in the house and we're going to speak nicely to each other uh, and we try to keep those kinds of things going but if they're going out with their friends um, in their junior high high school even fifth sixth graders um, they're, they might get influenced to do things that um, you wouldn't want them to do. So even when you think your child would never do that, you still have to address it because their friends may. And if they're out with their friends, um, they might be influenced to also do these things unless you talk about it. Um, one of those things would be vandalizing things in the community um, or stealing. Now, even though you think my child would never steal anything, they might be encouraged to do that by their friends. Um, I had a, someone in my family who took something, but they were very young and that might happen like five-year-olds, you know, they don't understand all of the details of giving money in exchange or credit card or whatever you use in exchange for something. They just think, oh, I want that. It's right here. I'm going to put it in my pocket. Um, and they might see people doing that. And some parents steal. So you're going to teach that to your children if you're doing it. And if you're not doing it, they still might try it. So then you have to teach the lesson there that that's never okay to do for me. And I made them take it back to the store and you want it you want them to feel somewhat bad about this so they don't do it again, right? But if you get the wrong clerk 
like I did, who was very young and said, oh, don't worry about it, it's fine. I'm like, no, it's not fine. <laughs> so you want to set the rule and you want to make them feel it like, okay, that's not okay, right? This doesn't belong to me. I don't get to take that. And, and you have to do that with them yourself sometimes if the clerk really didn't care when I took that child back to take it back. But I think overall it works well um, to just address these things, you know. And when they come up, if you haven't addressed it, you're going to be addressing it then. So if your children are at that adolescent age and they're going out with their friends in there that you know that they've been, you know, to Joey's house and Joey's family um, lets them um, go outside and play in the backyard. But both of Joey's parents um, smoke. And uh, do you, have you addressed that with them when you find out? that is 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 that something that they could get to is that something they would allow them to do or alcohol in the home if they have alcohol that's access to the children and do the children uh think that's okay to do the friends um that might be when they first get exposed to that so if you don't address those things ahead of time um, medication in houses is also another thing. I personally have been sober for 37 years, so my kids are very aware of what that means, and they were also very aware of um, drugs and things like that, how that could um, be exposed to them. I always kept my medicine cabinet things in my room. I never put them in my bathroom. And one of the reasons for that is because that is a common place that most people will look for something if they're uh, addicted or they're just starting out to experiment. They're going to be looking in your medicine cabinet when they go to the bathroom. So the best thing to do is not leave anything in there that they can use that would get them high or whatever. So um, that was just always my policy. I had it away from where they could get to it and um because you don't know which which child's going to come into your house and go to the bathroom and, and do that and then who is responsible when something goes wrong you are so you have to be careful with that and then um the da the damage to property can happen accidentally but you're still responsible for that if they decide to go down to the park and um, they take their skateboards and they start skating around and uh, they run into something and they break it and somebody sees that, an adult or something, you're responsible. So in any case, um, being aware that they have to respect other people's property that they need to um, be careful about what they're doing when they're out in the community and what they choose to do in the community or in other people's homes. 
Um, the other thing that might come up as their adolescence is the firearms. Some, some people have firearms in their home. Do they keep them locked up? Is there access to that? Is your child aware of gun safety? Are they aware that that, that can be an issue in other people's homes? Have you had that talk about that? Um, so all of those things can come up, but hopefully you address them as they're starting to get older so they um, have some idea what the safety factors are for them in those situations. Um, so now some people um, will also need to be aware of, of like simple things about children who come into their home. I just happen to be the parent who all the kids came to my house and I was good with that because, you know, I fed them, I, you know, watched them, um, they, I knew they were safe, and um, I was good with them. Um, but if they go to a home for a party, for a birthday party or anything like that, um, if your child's allergic to anything, the, that parent needs to know what they can and cannot have. Um, or if it's, they're not used to doing something, eating some particular food. If you have a very strict diet on your children, or not even strict, but you don't allow them to have soda. Um, because that has happened in my home that, um, uh, children that were restricted from sugar and soda came to a party and drank too many sodas because my kids had some self-control of that. They knew, uh, you know, that it was okay with me for them to have one, but, you know, five was like way too many. People who restrict their kids, sometimes they come and they are so excited about getting that, they'll just keep drinking it. And if you're not aware of it because nobody's shared that with you, you could have a kid that's jumping off the walls and you don't know what happened to them. And um, so it is important as a parent to always tell the other parents uh, what exactly they, they, your children are allergic to or what you prefer them not to have. And even in grandparents, that's going to come up. Um, because uh, all everybody has their own ideas about what the children should be receiving and they have different diet than you or uh, preferences. So they might be to asking the grandparents also not to give the kids this or that or the other. And um, you have to try and respect that. And um, it, it is hard to adjust all of that with um, the parents, the grandparents, the friends and their parents and uh, even at school functions that can come up too because there could be, you know, food there or barbecues or they get, maybe it's a prize. Some, some teachers give out prizes and maybe it's a soda, you know. So and one soda, I, I don't think would, you know, let's say we're allergic to it, but if it was something where they had access to have four or five, you know, and you didn't want that. So, um, 
Anyway, so just having those conversations ahead of time and having some rules around when they go to other people's homes is going to help keep uh, keep those situations from escalating into a phone call from the police department. Like when they go into an area they shouldn't or uh, maybe they just innocently went into the uh, park to to play and yet they had squirt guns or they had airsoft guns that you didn't know they had and um, then you get a phone call. So those are things that could come up and so it's better to address them uh, beforehand so that your children know you know, if that's going to be happening, oh, I guess I better go home. My, my mom's going to want me home. And that's a better choice for them than to go and get in trouble over, you know, something like that. So, okay. Well, so we moved into uh, teenage uh, adolescent years. So the next time I'm back, we will continue on in that age group and um, what school is like for those students and what life is like for the parents and the children. Have a beautiful evening, morning or night, whenever you watch this. And I hope some of this will be helpful for you in communicating with your children at certain ages about these important issues. Bye-bye.